Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Today, we are resuming the main story quest, mm-hmm. playing through the quest through the eyes of gods and men. Yeah. Through through. Spoilers, we don't find the airship. Lots <laughs> <laughs> uh, of stuff happens before then. What happened last time, Jen? A lot, actually. Like a lot. Yeah. Uh, the Waking Sands is discovered by the Garleans, and most of the Cyans are completely wiped out. Naraxia's final message to us is to seek shelter at the, the chapel in Eastern Thanalan, and we go there. We deal with uh, Marquez. Apparently, Marquez is being followed by Garleans. Huh, that's weird. Why? And we realize, oh, no, um, Marquez is Sid Garland, engineer extraordinaire. And Alfino finds us at this chapel and says, Sid Garland, we need your airship to fight Garuda. Sid, still struggling with his memories, is like, uh, okay. We are off to find his airship. <laughs> Before we get going, one disclaimer, apologies in advance for any mispronunciation of the names. These are not our native dialect, so sorry if you know better and this rankles you. (laughs) We're trying. Second, we are going to touch on Ishgard briefly. We'll be discussing the nation in depth later on, but for now, there's some high-level information to discuss before we can even parse what's going on today. The city-state of Ishgard is a theocracy under the Ishgardian Orthodox Church, administered by the Holy See. The sole god of the church is Halone, goddess of war, also known as the Fury. The church acknowledges the existence of the rest of the pantheon known as the Twelve, but they place Halone on top, and you will worship their version of her as described by the church's teachings or you will be branded a heretic. This religion comes complete with inquisitors and witch hunts and all that good stuff to root out those who do not subscribe to the church's philosophy. Ishgard has long closed itself off from the affairs of Eorzea, even with the empire at its doorstep. This is because the nation is wholly concerned with the ages-long conflict with the dragons of Dravania. These dragons and allied scalekin and some mortals are collectively called the Dravanians, which is a term that will be dropped multiple times throughout this questline. The Dragonsong War is an existential blood feud that seemingly won't end until one side is wiped out completely. So, besides the church, and frankly with the help of the church, the war is the dominant factor that shapes Ishgardian culture. Everything Ishgardian reflects the war, even its pointed architecture. The worth of a person and their family is determined by their martial accomplishments against the dragons, and the most honorable death is a death in battle with the Dravanians. Socially, the society is highly stratified between commoners and noble houses, with minimal social mobility. Each house strives to remain in the church's good graces and to distinguish themselves in the war. Now on to Curthus. As outsiders, we are not allowed to enter Ishgard proper. 
We'll be spending our time today in the Curthis Central Highlands. Before the Calamity, this was a verdant highland full of grazing pastures, but the Calamity dramatically altered its weather, turning the highlands into a region of frigid snow. The Central Highlands are the gateway from the rest of Eorzea to the capital, and it is heavily defended due to its proximity and also to facilitate trade with Eorzea. And we are about to head into an observatory. This will be discussed in more detail during the Astrologian job quest. But the Ishgardians believe that the stars can portend the movements of the Dravanians, and so highly value detailed and accurate celestial observations. And that takes us into today. Nice. That's, that's pretty much it. So last time we were standing at the border between, so the border between the Black Shroud and Curthis, because the guy that worked at the Spire was like, yeah, I saw your airship five years ago. They went that away. So we went, we, we, we go that away. We uh, come upon the first little camp, um, which is not very little. It's actually pretty well built out. Uh, this is uh, guarded by the House of Deer and Dare Knights. And we find one of them, and his name is Lourvois, and we are like, hey man, we would like to offer our services to House Durandere. And he's like, uh, why though? Well, what we're trying to do is get some records from the observatorium about a possible airship that passed through here at the time of the Calamity about five years ago. And he's like, lol, are you joking? Jen, it is the first dicasterial observatorium of the ethereal and astrological phenomena. Correct. Can I you get an acronym, maybe? Fida Co-op. <laughs> Fahua Gods. Come on, everybody. Fahua Gods. I don't recognize this reference. It's a strong bad thing. Okay. God damn it. So we'll just call it NASA. Okay. So we're at NASA. And... Uh, Ludovois, before he's like, well, I mean, I guess you can talk to the guy, but we're not, we're not helping you out. That's hilarious. What he can offer us is just basic shelter. Otherwise, please leave. Um, oh, but before you leave, one of my knights went on patrol and he still hasn't returned. So if you could go like, just check on him, that would be really swell. Like, yes, sir. And off we go to find the errand knight. We, uh, you know, we find him. He's... Not in great shape. In fact, he is, quote-unquote, keeled over. We find a couple of hooded assaulters. And this is just the generic name for this mob that we're going to encounter for a little bit here. Just hooded assaulters. These are heretics. Implicitly, they are Dravanian sympathizers or allied. Yeah. We're all just we're just going to lump them for now in the heretic pile. So we, we saved this guy and he's really thankful. He's like, hey, you know, uh, thanks for that. Uh, he spits. He's dragon-loving bastards. So we're getting a little flavor here of this anti-dragon uh, sentiment, uh, of course. Uh, they're basically the devil. He is a little bummed, though, that he has to report back to Ludovois that the heretics are operating in this area. Uh, because of our actions just then, we save his knight. Ludovois is like, well, 
all right, I'll, I'll do you a solid. I'll speak to Forlamort um, with the astrologians and um, get you an in, get you a meeting. So um, introduce yourself to Edmel. Uh, she is one of the astrologians and uh, you know, off you go. At the, so at the base of the observatorium, the, like the official observatorium, the actual fucking tower, which is a million stories high, we have these tremendous rotating staircases that go all the it's way up. It's called a winding staircase. A winding, it does not rotate. It, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean. And it it winds its way all the way up the interior of the spire. So Edmel, she's down at the very bottom, I guess, as like a receptionist of sorts. Um, also, all of the astrologians have the most delightful little hats. I would call it dorky, but... They're pretty dorky, but they're really delightful. They're, they look like dunce caps with yeah, a little brim. Yeah, hats with the stars emblazoned on the front. Yeah, they have like a, like a cry-cut <laughs> like little like star and moon sort of motif around the, uh, around the cone bit with a little brim. And, you know, we're doing science. Edmel, she's... Of a similar mind, you know, access to these records is strictly regulated um, because the records detail Giovannian activity. And of course, if you're a heretic, this information would be just super useful to you in the ongoing Dragon Song War. This could jeopardize the security of the entire nation. Yeah. And and turn the tides for the just for the war in general that has been waged for about a thousand years now. So, yeah, for the more, we, we make our way, you know, all the way up to Forlemort, who also has a delightful little cap, and he is appalled that we would even ask to see these records. Um, He is one stubborn curmudgeon. It's kind of redundant, but... The message is, fuck you, get lost. So we have to prepare ourselves to head all the way back down to the bottom, except just as we're being dismissed, in comes this new guy, an Elzen with a blue robe and silver circlet, named Inquisitor Guillem, who has already heard with our run-in with the heretics. And so he says hello, and then drops us an auspicious message. The snows can come in quickly in Curthis. One moment you're safe and secure, and then the next you're lost in a blizzard. A bit of a double meaning embedded in this message. Indeed. It says keep your, make sure you focus on one thing. However, we do not take his advice. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we're polytheistic bitch and we're about to leave though when a nearby astrologian Josia has something for us she has overheard our conversation and she may be able to help us in exchange for a favor there is a missing astrologian that went out alone to take observations around the cliffs to the east the bird lizard people the ixal operate out there so we head out way to the east to this cliffside find this guy hunkering behind some rocks well, he's he is surrounded by Ixal, and like we've got to like do, 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 very carefully like wind our way around these dicks, and he's just like in the middle of their camp, just chilling by some rocks. I'm like, what are you doing here, dude? He's hiding out because these guys have returned far more early than he expected them to, and he became yeah. trapped. Yeah, you done goofed. He realizes though that we're not a knight; we're just some rando, and he's like, no, I can't be seen with you unknowns. I can't be scene with an unbeliever so he just runs off on his own excel be damned back to the tower yeah like right away he's like oh thank god someone's here to save me like wait you're not a knight <laughs> fuck you he and then he just literally walks away he just needed a push and he'd be fine right he didn't he didn't even like run away screaming or anything like that he's just like 
is a saunter through the Ixal camp. Like, what a dick. This still counts as aid, though. As we <laughs> we return, and Josia tells us that we have helped House Durandare twice now, and so they are honor-bound to repay us. We may be able to petition the House's lord, Portalane, to put out feelers for our airship. So we go down to the bottom, again, of the tower, probably jumping at this point. You can't die if you're out of combat. You can just get down to one health, so hop down. <laughs> it always fine. gives me that, um, you know, like when you're on a roller coaster and that like that first dip, it gives you the, the butterflies in your stomach. Every time I do that, it gives me that feeling like, woo! All the houses here, except for the big one, are all in these dingy little buildings. No quarters are at all noble. We find Lord Pertilane in like a little stone hut in the middle of this encampment. Yeah. He acknowledges that we have indeed lent aid to them. But since there are three high houses that he would be entreating for assistance, wouldn't it be appropriate (laughs) that we help him three times? Of course. So a little quid pro quo. Three for three. The third quid is that there was a porter that was carrying merchandise for House Hyenart, and he was ambushed on the road to the west and lost his goods in the process. So we go and seek out and recover the lost items. We do so, we find some crates on the road, grab them, and we're ambushed by more heretics during the pickup, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that done, we report back. Huzzah, we found the, the stolen goods. Great. Ooh, that box right there looks like it was tampered with. Ugh, that's not great. So, and and, and then Portaline is like, well, shit, that one belongs to Lord uh, Francel. Maybe we should check on it? Yeah, they pop it open to cross-reference the contents versus the shipping manifest. And when we dump out the contents, we find a red fang on a necklace, a draconian rosary. (gasps) A clear sign of a heretic in our midst. Well, House Hyenart is whispered to be infested with heretics, so this makes sense. (laughs) Lord Pertilane will go and report this to the Inquisitors at once, and with this hubbub, he can't be bothered to help us now because there's an inquisition to be done. Yeah, so this is this is the new thing. Like, your airship search be damned, we're doing this now. So we get stonewalled by Pertilane because he's got to go do this other bullshit first. But there's another soldier in this little bunker named Carolo who wants our attention. He's like, hey, psst, psst, you. Yeah, no, um, this is bullshit. I worked for Lord Francel and his family for years. He is the goodest boy and the most devout little soldier you've ever seen. These charges are trumped up and you got to you got to deal with this because this is this is not okay. Frankly, um, it seems like a bad idea to get ourselves embroiled in this inquisition. Does not seem like it in well for right. us. Right. But we do so because we got to get the airship. So we go and track down Francel. Well, first, Carillo says, um, you know, you need to warn Lord Francel of what's going on here. Um, Use the code word Edelweiss and he will know that you're like a friendly because apparently the Edelweiss was his mother's favorite flower. So when we go, we go to the Skyfire locks and and find him at at his post. This is the nicest of the Lord's quarters out in the wilds of Curthis being a two-room stone cabin. <laughs> Pretty swank. 
Francel is stationed up in a office slash bedroom. He is super young looking, a little dandy with his green tunic and feathered cap. Yeah, this is not at all what you would expect of Lord Francel. He is a very young, fresh-faced, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, early 20-something, if that. He's an Elizan, so but he might be even like- even among Elizan, he looks young. Yes. He has had his growth spurt, though, Correct. at least. So 25, let's say? Sure. Okay. Hey, Jen, is that an Edelweiss in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? Oh, you getting you getting fresh? <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's a code word. I get you. I get you. Okay. Uh, yes, you may speak freely. You are among friends. Nobody cares we drop this innuendo on Lord Francel. Of all, and this we have is- three choices. And of course, the most salacious one is the Edelweiss one. It's more fucked up, though, because this is his mother's flower. <laughs> Like, seriously. (laughs) Hey, is that your mother's favorite flower in your pocket? Are you just horny as shit? He hears our message and is outraged by this accusation. And he knows that he will be assumed guilty until proven innocent. His house seems to be cursed of late. Yeah, so um, a a number of people from his house have been uh, branded as heretics, and they've just been having a rough time lately. But finally, someone will do us a counter favor, and he says he'll hook us up with Lord Horchifont of House Fortom at Camp Dragonhead. Now, this is the post, all right? House Fortom, they are like cream of the crop. They got the Dragonhead post. Like, this is, this is the big time. This guy has a fat desk. Despite its name, Camp Dragonhead is a fortress. Yes, it's, it's. I mean, it's like um, people from the Midwest, the upper Midwest, they may have like a three-story, 3,500 square foot lakefront mansion. They will still call it a cabin. We come in past the massive stone walls into the snowy parade grounds and find Lord Horchifont inside. It's like a war room, I think. Yes, yes. There, there are tactics being discussed here. He's got a, a big table with a map of Ishgard on it and wooden pieces showing knights. Curthus. By Ishgard, I mean their lands, not just the city. Gotcha. But anyway, whatever. Fair point. <laughs> um, anyway, wooden markers showing knights and dragons. Yeah, it's like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always reminded of Indiana Jones and uh, the Temple. No, 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 no. The Last Crusade, third one. When he, he sits down... In like a fireplace and like leans back or, or touches something and the whole fireplace rotates around and now he's in some bustling Nazi bunker like war room and people are with their little like um their little sticks are maneuvering pawns and shit on a board like all right we're gonna move in here we're gonna flank this or that so that's exactly what they've got going on and they have these little um little figurines for like the Knights of Ishgard and then they have these little dragon headed figurines for the dragons and they've got big dragons and small dragons and it's yeah so that's in front of his also massive fucking desk in this huge cavernous space um again cream of the crop appointment camp dragon head lord horchifont himself is a youngish looking elizin though it's hard to tell with medium length gray hair it's bluish blue gray hair so we have expectations that lord horchifont is going to be a certain type of guy and he straight up isn't. He's immediately disarming and friendly. And he like, we're on the same page immediately. He finds this charge of heresy against Lord Francel to be total poppycock. But he 
commits to helping us out on the search for the Enterprise by um, making in- inquiries of his own. In addition to, of course, you know, inquiring with the other high houses if um, we could get access to these freaking records to see what the fuck happened to our airship. Uh, long story short, no, none of the high houses, including House Fort Tom, are willing or able to help us out. But there might be sympathetic people within these houses who, off the record, might be able to help you. And then he gives us some names. He also tells us that there is a low probability of there being a witness to because the Ishgardians were embroiled in their own battles during the supposed time when the Enterprise would have flown over here. Anyway, he gives us a list of power players to go meet and greet to assist our search. The first stop is Lady Nin, who is elsewhere in Camp Dragonhead. She knows nothing about the airship, but gives us some gossip about Francel. His conviction seems inevitable, given all the other Hyenart heretics that have been discovered. Huh. And then we get sent out to meet Kravelin of House Hyenart out at the Skyfire Locks, which are a series of little circular stone bunkers built into the hillside that runs from the observatorium up to Camp Dragonhead. So we roll over there to that little bunker, and we learn that House Hyenar is far too busy dealing with this Inquisition at their doorstep to help us out. And finally, Horchifant suggests we go and ask Forlamore again, but this time with House Fortomp's backing, and he still says, no, fuck you. And I mean, he's still a fucking stickler. He's he's still sticking his heels, you know, digging his heels in the sand. You know, we are we are at war, madam. We can't be dealing with this frivolous request for records because I mean, in the short time that Inquisitor Guillaume has been here, uh, so many heretics have have been discovered, and among them, the the elite of the elite. Huh. Interesting. So no luck there. We return to Horchifant and he has had no luck on his side. But since we're around here anyway, do me a favor, please. Lord Francel was seen heading north with a small band towards the Steel Vigil, which is a former watchtower that was guarded by House Hyenart, but then was ruined by the Dravanian Horde. And he fears for the fate of Lord Francel with him being out in the wild with such a small force. So would you go check him out, please, and make sure he's okay? All right. So Francel and team, like three knights, are off to steal a vigil to do something. And, well, this is reckless. So off we go to, to see how they're doing, and, and uh, they're not doing well. Um, they've been overrun. <laughs> uh, we find Francel huffing and puffing, uh, terrible, and... As we approach, he's like, no, 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 stay back. The fiend is still in the area. And at that point, a grand Avis appears. This is a winged scalekin. It's a wyvern in d terms, which is like a dragon-like creature with no forelegs, but just wings instead. And the area around us is littered with um, what are called downy Avis, downy Avises. So this grand Avis is about twice the size of the other ones. Um, we dispatch it fairly simply and we're off to check in on the other knights um they're all alive but they're a little worse for wear we find the unsettled the unnerved and the unfit knight that's a 
It's kind of rude. I think they're all unfit. That's kind of rude. Frankly. Um, I mean, they were outnumbered. It's, it's just, it was just, it was folly. We were outnumbered and we did fine. So toughen up so-called I dragon guess. slayers. The unnerved tonight, however, when we talked to her, she's like, it's almost as if they were expecting us. Huh. More plot thickening. Either way, they came here to try and win some honor for House Hyenart before this upcoming trial. To slay some dragons so they could hopefully get some grace during the Inquisition. But they did not. They were instead overwhelmed, so they, ret- they returned home dejectedly. So we return to Lord Horchefant, and huzzah, he has found a witness to our airship. Uh, but there is a complication. Um, <laughs> so now it's it's known that we ran to Lord Francel to let him know what was like coming down the line. And now we are possibly a heretic as well, just by association. So now the witness doesn't want to talk to us. God. So if we want to get moving on our own mission, we have to clear Francel's name and by association, ours. Great. So now Horschvon and, and and we are trying to brainstorm on how we can do this. We So let's look at the evidence. The evidence is this draconian rosary um, found in a shipment headed toward House High and Art. Okay, so the porters that are responsible for carrying these goods back and forth, that's a possibility. Go talk to uh, Rickerman. He is a, um, he like, he handles all the porters that go in and out of Kurthus. We talked to him and we're like, hey, man, this is this is a thing that's going on. We think maybe some like uh, contraband is being planted in some shipments by the porters. And I mean, he is horrified by this news because he himself is of House Hyenart. And, you know, he's not like he knows the position his house is in right now. They're not really on solid footing. And he's like, this is the last thing that I would allow. But really, the only other time where, you know, the goods could be compromised would be during inspection. But inspections are handled by by knights and inquisitors, and there's no way they would be involved in something like this. So it looks like, you know, it's it's probably a porter issue. With that intel, we head back to Camp Dragonhead to go interrogate some porters. And we find them over by their wagons, and they are indignant at our accusation and challenge us to check the goods ourselves. We do, and we find more rosaries. And the porter swears they're not they're not mine. They're not mine, I swear. The knight at White Brim inspected them, and they were clean then. We might have a lead finally. So we go and tell this to Horgefont, and he declares that the conspirator has overplayed their hand. He will demand that the trial be postponed until this new evidence can be investigated, but we're too late. The trial is in motion now, over at Witch Drop. But fear not, if innocent, Francel will walk in Halone's halls. It bears mentioning that Witch Drop is a massive, deep gorge to the east. In a fucked-up, truth-seeking method, the accused will be dropped within the Witch Drop. If they are innocent, they will die, but their souls will go to Halone's halls, aka heaven. If they are guilty... They will use their heretic draconic magic to sprout wings and fly away, and the waiting Inquisitor Archer will shoot them down. Kind of fucked up, but them's the breaks. So Horshavant, knowing that this this whole cadre has moved to, to Witch Drop, he knows that Francel's life is 
it's it's only good for a couple more minutes. So we got to go. And he gives us a night escort from House for Tom to go and um, hopefully forestall the proceedings until Horshafon can show up and implore Guillaume to, you know, just kind of stop this until we can get an investigation going because we have a lot of evidence that like shenanigans are happening. So we head out to, to Witchdrop and we meet up with our with our dude. His name is um, Horlene. And he's spying on the proceedings um, going on just like a few a few yards in front of us. And, and Francel is already like on his knees in front of the gorge. And Guillaume is looks like he's just rendering judgment, which of course is going to be guilty. And he's going to have him jump off of the cliff any second now. Guillaume asks or, you know, says, asks Francel if he has anything to say on his behalf. And of course he does. Francel offers a very impassioned plea about the history of his house and his own personal faith and devotion. Um, which of course means fucking nothing to Gim, and he's like, "Well, well, great, you know. Uh, I'm unfortunately the only person who can render judgment on your soul is Haloni herself. So, um, we're only gonna find that out if you jump. So you should probably jump." At that moment, Orlane cries out, "Like in the name of the House for Tom, I beseech you to stay your hand." But that's heresy. We are interfering with these inquisitorial proceedings. How convenient! Heretics, you're all heretics. Convenient, yeah, just. Doesn't matter what you do, or damned if you do, damned if you don't, you're a heretic. And then Guillaume six his minions on us. We start the fight by engaging the lead guard, Alderic. There are several minions here that go down fast, but Alderic is pretty tanky. After a short time, Hortrefont rides in on his chocobo to join the fray, and suddenly a wyvern swoops in as well. Guillaume accuses us of summoning draconic minions, even though the wyvern is attacking us, and not them. Suspicious. The wyvern's invulnerable, you can't fight it, it just is there to mix things up. But eventually we take down Alderic, and when he falls, he drops a draconic rosary. So, the battle won, Horgefont starts by trying to reason with Guillaume, explaining that the accused have all been set up. And we show them the rosary that came from Alderic's body, and it finally gives Guillaume pause. He agrees to suspend the proceedings until he can investigate this other threat within his own ranks. Francel, who has just been rescued, asks Horchefont why he intervened. Horchefont says that Francel is a loyal Ishgardian, and he would have even jumped rather than dishonor his own house. So we all return to Camp Dragonhead, and with the matter settled, the witness who saw the Enterprise will finally speak to us. And that's where we'll leave off for today. So first off, Jen, I think this is a good segment. The story feels a bit rushed, and I think that the the rosaries being the the sole, I guess, evidence for all these people is a bit clumsy. Like, I would hope that anyone who is roughly observant might realize that maybe all these high-ranking people wouldn't have these rosaries just shipped in from afar. He is he is very zealous, and his advice to us at the, when we first met him uh, was very clarifying as far as his personal motivations, which are the end justifies the means. And there, there have been other mysteries that we've had to solve, and the, the, the writing has been a lot more subtle as far as, like, the clues given. This is just... Yeah, it's it's just super fucking obvious that they're, you know, they're, they're using the same 
the same, you know, piece of, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they just like mass produced like two dozen draconian rosaries and then they're just like plopping them in. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't mean to pick on the storytelling here too much. I, that just called out to me as being kind of a, a cheapish way to probably show us as the players that these people are being set up. Despite that <laughs> kind of, kind of rant, I actually like this a lot. And I think the storytelling is very good here. And I think it's, it is engrossing. And I had forgotten all of this stuff on this playthrough. So I was surprised again on each beat as things unfolded. And I think that this first half of the Ishgard arc here from the introduction where we find this first rosary and it gets dumped out on the table and it's pretty dramatic up until the witch drop fight. That is a really satisfying segment of story. It's got a, a nice build up and you're not quite sure where it's going or what's going to happen. And then you get to intervene at the very last moment at this climatic location and you have your your buddy Hortifont and you have the Inquisitors and the setting's cool. And then a wyvern comes in to mix things up and it, it's pretty exciting from start to finish. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's extremely well done to as far as c- communicating what it is you're getting into in Ishgard and its surrounding territories. The, you know, socioeconomic drama, um, though not as much as the um, uh, theocratic bullshit that's going on. Um, the, the Inquisition, I mean, so like from now on, you understand that um, people are side-eyeing everybody around them at all times, looking for signs of heresy. Um, so it's not really like a healthy place to be. So again, like it's a very insular community. It's fanatical um but even so and but even within these these factions there are people who can kind of like see the light but they have to act very covertly and it just really sets the tone for moogled i actually disagree with you slightly there jen um i i agree with everything you're saying about it setting up the ishgard dynamics however i don't feel myself and this just might be the way i take in the story but i don't feel for myself that the, the way that it's presented here really equips you for that because they just drop you in the deep end of Ishgardian lore. You leave the Twelve's Wood and walk into this super snowy zone, and all of a sudden there are Inquisitors and Holonies and Observatoriums and heretics, and you're not really sure what, what a heretic is a heretic about. And, and also, like, they name drop Dravanians ASAP, and it's not clear, at least not to me, what a Dravanian is because you don't know what or where Dravania is as a first-time player. This, from my perspective, really benefited me from having my later game Ishgard knowledge because I could parse all these elements and understand the plot from the beginning. And I think the reason I forgot it all was just because I was probably lost because I tend to get lost very easily when stories start throwing around proper nouns without me understanding what a proper noun is. See me not knowing what the fuck a Louis was on my first playthrough. Yes. And I mean, I really appreciate the, like, honestly, like the lack of exposition here. They don't sit you down and be like, all right, so Halone is the deity of war. You you do have to fill in some of these gaps yourself, um, which I really, really love because it feels, it feels organic. Like you're, you're, you're plopped in the middle of the society and people are like, yeah, they're throwing around proper nouns and um, people and places and things that 
there are it's very very familiar to them it's it's part of the fabric of their life but to you you have no idea but you've got to like just as if in like in real life you've got to like pick pick all of these little clues and put your assumptions together and maybe you're proven right maybe you're proven wrong um but that's satisfying you can discover that on your own terms and you're not sat down and just like bulldoze with a bunch of stupid ass exposition it's funny that you mentioned the Haloni stuff, actually, because during the... I was actually confused about Halone and the Fury being the same entity, especially with all the Catholic Church similarities in the Ishgardian Church. It can be confusing to figure out, are, are these, like, what is, is this? Yep. Who are these entities? Are, are there different, like, sub-concepts within this church? Are there multiple? Is it, is it actually polytheistic? No, it's just another name for Halone that sounds cool, but it, it's not super apparent to all of us. The, the more proper noun challenged among us, Jen. So I personally, I would have loved it if actually if Alphano was like, hey, here's a two minute summary and a cutscene that goes over what the fuck is Ishgard. And it could also be phrased as, hey, Sid, who doesn't know what the fuck still is going on. He's like, hey, what's an Ishgard? And then Alphano's like, well, Sid, you idiot. Here's Ishgard in, in the Cliff Notes version. It doesn't then have to talk down to the player or the player's character. It can be Alphano catching Sid up. To me, that's the same. That's the same. Fine. It's just like in a movie where like, you know, somebody sits down with somebody else and then they, they lay out all of this stuff that is between those two characters. These are things that should not have to be said. Like it's already like common knowledge for them. The only reason they're saying it out loud is for the benefit of the audience. And it's like super obvious that that's what's going on. So I I appreciate that most of the time this is not happening. Like we've got to like pick these clues and try to, you know, reason it out on our own time doing side quests or, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to try to like to figure this out. And I, I appreciate the lack of spoon feeding there. Well, even that. though it can be frustrating very much, but it's it's very satisfying when like towards you know, the end of whatever and everything starts to congeal and you realize like, oh yeah, I fucking nailed that. Or like, oh my God, my expectations were totally subverted. <laughs> or, you know, either way, it's just like, it's a fun discovery experience. Jen and I coming down opposites on this matter. Evidently. Weird. Like I absolutely, there's so many people out there who are like, please just tell me what the fuck is going on. And, what the fuck is a goddamn Louis Swa? And and yeah, like there are times where I'm like, just like, is, is Dalamud the same as a Bahamut? Is it like, is it his egg? Like the fuck is happening? But then like you finally figure it out. And it's like, it's like you were the adventurer you were when you got off the fucking cart. You've got to parse all of this on your own. Unless somebody decides to sit you down and like tell you the story of... If Eorzea. And, and, You're fucking welcome, Jen. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's that's the podcast. That's what we're doing right now. We're, yeah. we're expositioning the whole fucking thing for you. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's completely obvious in TV shows and movies when they're just like being really fucking, they think the audience is is full of idiots. So they have to be very explicit in, 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 in informing them, like overly informing them of what's going on. And it's offensive, honestly. I'm like, I can fucking figure it out, okay? I'm a human being. I live in the world. I I can understand shit. But, you know, sometimes that exposition is in service of the lowest common denominator watching, and I, I don't fucking appreciate it. Mic drop. 
no, don't drop it. They're very expensive. <laughs> I think that's what every venue thinks when the the randos coming into karaoke want to sing. I don't go to that kind of karaoke, all right? Nobody is singing Journey at my karaoke. Yeah, when, when they want to sing Journey and then they want to drop the mic after the performance and then the poor studio has to pay like 500 bucks or whatever for a new mic because every cool ass singer dropped it. If you pulled that shit, you would be blacklisted so fast. They they don't know until they come in. Nobody doesn't. They do. I have seen signs saying don't fucking drop the mic. Really? At Voicebox. Yes. At Voicebox? Yes. I've never seen those signs. That is, holy shit. I the have fact not that been you have there. to say that to somebody is Sad. I have not been there for years and years, but when I was going there with the Gary crew, there was absolutely a sign saying, hey, don't fucking drop the mic, you I've, fucking piece of shit. I'm there like every couple of months. I've never well, seen that sign. I don't know if they took it down. Maybe that's fallen out of vogue. So or... like, I mean, there was a moment in, in time in like, you know, in, in pop culture where yes. like dropping the mic was the thing. You know, it was like bacon. It was like mustaches. Yeah. So dropping it, the mic. it might no longer be popular enough to need a sign. Right. Or maybe still there and you missed it. I don't know. Or they've, they've banned all those people they don't have to worry about anymore. <laughs> sure. Anyway, because I've forgotten all about this whole storyline, I am looking forward to part two next time when we will be playing through the Stone Vigil Dungeon. Yay! See you then. And that will do it for this episode of Pod Return of the Waking Sands. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. If you want to hit us up with some communications, you totally can. You can uh, email us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or on the Twitter at podreturn. And uh, I hope you have a great day or night. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time.